Are we good? We're okay, right? It'll be all right. So I, uh, the Lord always takes me on journeys uh, because I tune to lean into the intellectual. He, he will start me out uh, thinking and then feeling and then acting, and then I have to act and then still think and feel. It's a, we're a whole person, and it, it impacts us in those whole person ways. And sometimes God puts things in our path, and we don't even realize God has put it in our path. Be very mindful to be intentional about turning aside. I've, I've been thinking of Moses lately, and I think that I wonder how long was that bush burning before he noticed it? And I, I wonder if there are things that have been in the peripheral of your life that God is saying time to turn towards. And so an innocuous situation I, I said yes to, and I'm kind of a yes girl, to uh, rewriting a chapters in a textbook uh, at the college I worked for. I, was, uh, was, I didn't have to rewrite them, I had to summarize them. And so uh, I'm summarizing, and, and the team that I work with there said, oh, we're going to give you the wisdom chapters. Wow, that just hit a whole other thing. Oh, okay. So uh, I rewrite the wisdom chapters, and the person who wrote it had, had, had uh, referenced a book. And I'm like, this book is awesome. I'm going to get it. And so I go into Amazon to buy it on my Kindle, and guess what? It was already there. It had been there since 2015. I wasn't ready in 2015. I had to go through some fires to be, and, and, and maybe even some struggles to be reminded of it now. Now, I'm going to confess to you, because we're all about transparency, and sometimes people aren't able to handle all the transparency, but it'll be all right. Uh, I've been serving the Lord for... A long time, 30-some years. And, and I've walked through the spiritual disciplines of study and worship and fasting and obedience. And there have been seasons where I've coasted on the deposit and my gifting. Because I know how to teach. I know how to do those things. And I coasted on them. And there are places of struggles where I even made excuses for it. And the world may have too. The world tells us, oh, just do this. Oh, just do that. We can enter God. We live in this tension. We can come to God any way we want when we first come to him. And then we can go boldly into the throne of grace anytime we want when we need him. But then God gives us directives on how we enter into and steward his presence. And we're still living in that first like babies. And, we need to, and we're also even being directed by the world. And we need to start being grown-ups. Because here's what will happen. If you remove those disciplines from your life, it gets easier and easier to remove those disciplines for the, from your life. And there was a six-month period where we went to church, and it was a church that didn't really build community. It was more cliquish. And then we removed ourselves from that. And, and I consider this my church, and I, and I consider a Maricopa place my church. And we, we had to, I had to go back to those places, and I realized, God, I may be unjustifying being separate from the house of God. But, and I may think I know all that, and I can study by myself, but you still called me to be a part of it. My true community is E5. They're the ones who see me naked and transform me, and that's okay. But I still have a responsibility to the church. 
And so this book that God put in my hand is called You Are What You Love. Now, we like to think we love what we are, and we do. But what you are needs some cleanup. What you are is places, and how many of you say this, that's just the way I am. That's not good enough. That's an excuse to not be the best that God has for you. The way you are is probably broken by sin and shame and distraction. And you need to become who you're supposed to be. Paul, and you may think that's mean. We live in this tension. God accepts us the way we are. But we don't get to stay that way. We have to grow. And some of us know we've been sad or we're going backwards to what we were. Remember I told you I became very comfortable with not feeling anything? That was an old Shelly habit. That because of my lack of discipline in areas of my life, the enemy was trying to slip back in. How many of you came to the Lord excited and now you're recognizing some things are slipping back in? How many of you are okay with it? And you may say, I'm not okay with it. It really bothers me a lot. Well, what are you doing about it? We live in this crazy place that we think just thinking about it's going to make it change. And we become thinking things. Just feeling bad about it is going to make it change. Feeling bad isn't going to get you anywhere good. We think that, well, it's my struggle, and we, and we separate ourselves from the struggle. I said to my team, I'm in a struggle, and I don't want you to get me out of the struggle. How many of us, we run from struggle, and we satisfy ourselves with lesser things, and we offer God a lesser obedience? I'm going to tell you something. With God, obedience is always going to be costly. It is. And if anyone told you differently, they don't understand the kingdom of God. Look what the cross cost. But some of us, we have to give up external things, and some of us have to give up internal things. You don't get to hate yourself anymore and call yourself a child of God. So you think uh, some of you have been offering God lesser sacrifices of service when all he wants is your heart. And some of you are just offering your heart and he wants you to get your butt in gear. Yeah, I'm going to say it and get out there and do something. You're just sitting on your pew saying Jesus has all of me and no, he doesn't because all of you is going to do something for all of them. You're a carrier. Now it's time to deliver. And so this tension, you can't look at someone else. You don't, your struggle's not my struggle. You can walk with me, but you can't walk for me. And so many of us, we want everybody else to do the walking for us. We want the pastor to walk. Look, he's got enough trouble walking his own walk. And teaching you to walk your walk. Look at Moses. Moses is walking his own walk with God. And if he doesn't keep his eyes on God, the people are going to cause him to miss the walk. Some of us are making excuses. We're using our insecurity as humility. It's not. 
And some of us have great skills, and now we have great heart. You know what? You know how to preach, Oscar, and you've, you can bring the show. But God has taken you into a place of presence. You're going to have to step aside from yourself and what you know and trust that he won't let you fall. Hard words are good words. God loves us and I love you. I have an anointing of mother. My daughter, who we've been on a long journey together, and some days she just, some years, she just has to take little breaks, and I take little breaks. And we were talking, she says, people say, I just say it like it is, her. And then I'm, I'm hard with words and stuff like that. And I said, and she, this is what she's said about me for years, you are a hard girl to swallow. And I asked her, I said, is that the way I am too? And she goes, mom, you tell it like it is, but you help us get to where we need to be. Because I'll say the hard words, but I won't leave you there. I'll walk with you. And I have to tell you this, the hard words have been said to me first. I told you I had to repent. I had to go to God and say, I'm not feeling what I should feel. What do I need to do? I didn't say, what do I need to think? I said, what do I need to do? And the Lord took me to the church at Ephesus, and I didn't even have it in my notes right now, but I'm going to read it to you in the book of Revelation I want you to understand the dynamic of the church. This building is a church. There are churches meeting all over the world, but you are the church too. Rhonda, you are the house of God in Rhonda. Veronica, you are the house of God. Church is where his presence is. Where his, you are the house of God. And here's what he says, Jesus says to the church of Revelation, I mean to the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation. I want to I ask you something. Maybe there are some of you in the house and you've never said yes to God. We might have some seekers. And, and we think that we have to... Show that we have to give the seekers what they want. No, we have to give the seekers what they need. How, how, many, how many of you know, uh, I don't always get what I want, but I get what I need. And, and here's the tension of that. In giving them what they want, it has become what we want. And we've become complacent and lazy in our approach to God. Listen, I'm just... Preaching to you where I'm at, I have to tell you, and they all know, I'm still living out a divine encounter with God that happened yesterday, and I, I lost all concept of time until the, the, worst, the people who were here in this, until you saw the shift, right? And until about 8.30 last night, I could barely think words. And I'll, I'll tell you what it was. I was walking about doing my preaching, and in the peripheral, I saw God. And I had the opportunity to stop and look. For some of you, God has been on the peripheral. He's an addendum. And you may be okay with that, but I have to tell you, he's not okay with that. And if you think I'm wrong, let's go here. I, I don't care about your worldly arguments, and, 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 I'm, and I'm, your, your feelings are valid, but they're, they're not going to be an excuse. 
Someday we will stand before him with no excuse. And so our feelings and our fears become our idols or they become the lesser things and we walk in obedience. And there is God on the peripheral in many of our lives. I know, how many of you say this? I know I need to change that, but. I wish I could lose some weight, but you know. I wish I was closer to God, but you know. And then you make excuses. Well, God doesn't talk to me like he talks to you. No, he doesn't talk to you like he talks to me, but he talks to you. You don't listen like I listen. You may say, I really want to surrender to that service, but, and I, I think about the excuses. God is inviting us to a wedding. You're the bride. And we're making all kinds of excuses of why we can't go deeper and we can't go closer. And if you read scripture, there is a wedding feast coming and those with the excuses don't get in. If you're not clothed in the righteousness of God. See, if you don't put on Christ and no longer leave him as a peripheral, you won't have the clothes for the wedding. This may be a hard word, but I care about your soul. And I'm going to answer to him. So the church at Ephesus, this is what he says to him. In Revelation 2, starting with verse 1, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. He is saying, good job, saint, isn't he? You're working hard, and I see it, and I know it. You're standing up against evil. You're doing the things you're supposed to do. But I have this against you. You know, when God says he has something against us, it's it's not an indictment. It's an invitation. He's not saying, you're bad, you're no good, you failed. That's the devil. He is saying, here's an invitation. You get a choice. Do you want more of me or more of you? Paul, in his pride and his struggle, he he wanted to have everything right. And God said, listen, my strength is in your struggle. And Paul said, then I'll glory in the struggle. He was trying to glory in his strength. And God said, glory in the struggle. And he said, I have This against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. How many of you, this walk with God has just become going through the motions? I'll show up. That counts for something. It counts for something. It does. It does count for something. But wait, there's more. And he says this, you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, change your mind, and do the works you did at first. 
Now, God didn't say, think the things. He said, do the things. And if we ever, and we live in this tension, we live in a world that is broken. And guess what? We're going to get, we're going to get brokenness on us. And some of us are going to realize the brokenness in us. And we want to love God with all our heart. I cannot believe there's any Christian who wants to love God halfway. If they do, they don't understand God. But we have a wrong vision. We're living for now when we're really supposed to live for later. We look towards heaven as our final destination. Not just I'm going to feel better, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to think this. We make excuses in our thoughts. This is just the way I am. Paul said, I'm not what I was. I'm running towards who I'm supposed to be. We, when we do that, guess what we've decided? We're the clay. We're, we're the potter. We're the master of our destiny. You know, one of the hard things people have about an E5 retreat is we invite you in, but once you're in, you do it our way. And there's many people who say, well, I don't do your way. Then you're not ready to come in. And we do that with God. I want in, but I want to do it my way. I'm going to run a marathon in January. Second one. I sat, I told my husband, I think I want a marathon. He goes, you know, that's the second job now. Training takes time. And I sat on my couch one night and I put the registration in and I held my hand over the button until I timed out. And then I put the registration in again and I held my hand over the button. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm registering. I'm not thinking about it, but I'm registering. And then I put my registration in again and I pushed the button. And someone came up to me and they said, you're really going to run a marathon? You you know, you got things to do. And it's funny because this person just signed up for some things to do and then added more to their plate. And I'm like, and I said, yes, yes, I am. Well, here's the thing about a marathon. Any of you ever run them? I run them without training and I'm running them with training. I do not recommend running without training. But guess what? I didn't get to decide how much it would cost me to enter the race. They had a price. I couldn't say, you know what, I don't want to pay that price. How about I give you... There was no button for that. If I want to be in the race, I got to pay the price. Over and over and over and over in scripture, Paul talks about, I know he was a runner, and he talks about we're running this race. And Paul uses a lot of what is around him in the natural to to explain the spiritual. Remember the armor of God? He wrote the armor of God chained to a Roman soldier. And in Corinthians, when he says, I'm running this race, and I'm not going to teach you and then run in such a way that I'm disqualified. I'm going to run this race. And he said, run with me while I run after Jesus. He didn't say, I'm going to, listen, if I followed all of you around, none of us would get anywhere. Paul didn't say, run with me as I run and run how I run. He said, run how I run after Jesus. You're not just running the race for you, but you are. But you're teaching others how to run. 
And he said, I'm not going to run in a way to get disqualified. And I want you to understand something. Paul was speaking to them from an earthly example. He was talking to the church at Corinth who had the Olympics and had another race. I can't remember which it is right now, but I have it written down, so I'll tell you. It was called the uh, Ishmanian Games. And the Jewish people, the believers of God, this is interesting, they didn't attend those games. You know why? Because everybody ran naked. Let that sing. How many of you aren't? I don't want you to. We are more apt to take off our earthly clothes than our soul clothes. You put your clothes back on and bear your soul. The very thing that took out Adam and Eve, the first thing that sin did was make them hide. And we will take off our earthly clothes faster than we will take off those soul weights that are hindering us. And they ran naked. And, you know, we have taught the world that everybody gets a prize for participation. That's not how heaven works. And in this race, only one person got a prize. Guess what? There is no second place in the race of your life, Susan. There is no second place in the race of your life. You can't say, well, I almost made it. You can't say, I started out good. You can't say, I used to. One of the worst indictments against the church is followers of Christ who are on fire earlier and are dead now. We are brighter the closer we get to heaven. And if your light has become dim, he says, this is what he says after that. You hold on to your light or else I'm taking it. You may think, well, I'm holding on to this little bit of light. It's not your light. It's his light in you and he'll take it back. It's what he did to the the sower of the seed who said, I'm building my house and I've got this crop. I'm going to build a bigger barn. And he said, who do you think you are? Your soul is mine. You foolish man. You foolish woman. Don't be a starter and not a finisher. I don't care if you cross it bleeding and broken and bruised. You cross it. And you may think, well, I'm still in church. You may be standing up on the outside, but if you're sitting down on the inside, God knows the difference. And sometimes we have to think right, and sometimes we have to act right. Whatever it takes to get us there, get us there. You know what I had to do to get my heart right? I had to start doing this, read concept, read my Bible. I know the Bible. I preach the Bible. I can quote more scripture than all y'all. But that doesn't negate the fact that I got to get it in me and let it read me. I know how to read it. I need to let it read me. My husband and I are doing something we haven't ever done in our whole married life. I've been in ministry for hundred years. Let me tell you what I, what I had to break off. I enabled him in the spiritual and it enabled him in the natural to go to dark places. I'm not going to force his walk on him. His walk is his walk, but if you're going to walk with me, let's walk like this. I didn't invite him in. 
to the places of God in my life. He's my husband and my lover, but he's my brother, and I hurt him. He knew the external sin of his addiction. I'm just learning the internal sin of my pride. And I was okay if he would just let me do what I want to do. And sometimes I ran too fast, and I didn't invite him to catch up. Now, some of us, this is what we do. If I'm running too fast, I'll stop running. Wrong move. Wrong move. Nobody's going to know how to run if you don't run. Run. And run with people who are running with you. Or run with people who you want to run like. And then invite others. The whole thing. Come and bring a friend. I invite a lot of people to take the marathon with me. No, No takers yet. You know, my husband said this. He said, maybe, I, maybe I'll do the 5K. Okay, run what you can, but run. And don't say, well, I'm doing the best I can. That's not good enough. Do more. Don't say, I started out. You, can't, you cannot live on old glory. Glory fades. And you can look good, and to someone who is not looking, you may be acting good. But there comes a point when we have to start doing the right things. I come to church, isn't that enough? No, you got to be the church. I give, isn't that enough? Well, it depends. Are you giving God a lesser sacrifice? Did he ask you to give something else, and you offered him in exchange? God, he's not, let's make a deal. That marathon, I, had to, I ran the race, and you know what? I signed up for that marathon, and I, I'm thinking, you know, I'll just run the path I want. Guess what? If I don't run the race that is set before me, then I'm not running the race. That Phoenix Marathon has a map already set up. If I want to finish the line, i got to finish the line. That finish line is, say it's at uh, Tempe Town Marketplace, which Arizonans know. Well, what if I cross it over at Chandler Mall? Guess what? I didn't run the race. Paul didn't say, I'm running the race I want. He said, I'm running the race set before me. That means a path was laid before you got to the line. And when you pay, and even in this, he paid the fee, the cross, but we pay the cost. And we get in there and we run. Paul said, we don't run if we're not running by the rules. If we don't follow the rules, we'll be disqualified. You, you know that 10 years ago, 15 years ago, George Bonner did a research, a Pew report. He does Pew reports all the time. And in that Pew report, he said this. He said that 54% of pastors in the pulpit didn't believe in the inerrancy of God's word. You preach, whether you're a pastor or not, what you are. You're a store clerk, you preach what you are. 
And if 15 years ago, 54% of the pastors didn't believe in this, are we surprised that the people in the pew aren't reading it? And like little birds, we come up every Sunday morning and say, feed me. Nothing too hard. My stomach's a little sensitive. I don't want to have to chew. Could you just let it slide down? You know, I don't know if I'm ready for it. How about I get some takeout and maybe I'll eat it later? God says, here's the diet. And we're like, yeah, yeah, I know that's what you want me to eat, but I want to go taste some of the world. And I'm going to tell you, you know that disciple is the root word of discipline. And it actually in the Greek means agony. We have to do hard things. And we are in an addiction of comfort. We think our life is hard. We're doing the wrong hard things. It is time for us to choose our hard. And leave the comfort of addiction. Because he says, Paul said this about his own life. I have run the race. I have fought the fight. I have kept the faith. I might have started rough, but I'm ending well. And there is waiting for me a crown of glory. He said, we're all running for a prize. You are running for a prize. Is it one that fades or one that lasts? He says, everybody in the earth is running. I'm running for the prize that lasts. The prize, that, the prize they got, they worked hard. They ran naked for a celery leaf wreath that only one person got. And you're thinking, well, that's stupid. I would never run for that. But I might run for TikTok. I wouldn't run for that, but you know I need my donuts. I don't run for that, but you know I had a hard night last night and I got to sleep in on Sunday. I wouldn't run for that, but my kids can only play ball on Sunday. Well, ball ain't going to get them to heaven. Now, don't get all religious. You let them get there when they need to get there because there may be an all-star ball player in there who's going to change the world for Jesus. I'm sure glad Tim Tebow's parents let him do what he needed to do. I don't get to decide how you run except for here. Well, I wouldn't run for that stupid crown of whatever, but you know what? I don't, I don't like some of them people at church. And if I don't like you, I don't have to be around you. Well, if they're in heaven, God's going to say, you know, I'd let you in, but you don't like her, and she got here first. I don't, I don't want to have to give, so I'm not going to go. Pay now or pay later. You know what? I'm not going to surrender that discipline of heart. That, that word of God is just too hard for me to read. I don't get it. Listen, this is not going to shrink to your understanding. You are going to rise to it. And I want to tell you something, and this is going to be profound. You don't get better at something by not doing it. I'm not going to get better at giving by not giving. I'm not going to get better at praying by not praying. 
I'm not going to get better at worshiping by not worshiping. And man, if God was before him and we offered him what we, what we offered him, we need to turn from the peripheral. We need to lean into the hard places. We need to agonize. And we think that a disciple is a follower. You know what? Actually, that word not only does it mean agony, but it means study. We think, well, I don't have to study. Pastor Mark and Pastor Angel study. Well, they're in a good place of study, but what about you? The Bible doesn't say just the pastors teach. We all teach and become teachers. Some of us just, some of us, we are reading our Bible, and now it's time to study it. My dad could quote the Bible back and forth. He took me to church six months out of my life. He never prayed over me. And some of us say, well, you know, I would follow Jesus, but you don't know what happened to me. I don't, I don't have to know what happened to you. I'd love to hear your story, but don't let your story become your excuse. Let Jesus happen to you. Let him come into your story. You know, some of us, we're going to get filled with God and we're going to be a little hard to take. That's all right. That's why I said leaders, it gets messy. And we have to live in this tension of how do I encourage your gift and temper it. And can I tell you something? And, and my team will attest to that. The, the more they learn, the harder it, it, there's an expectation. You know better than that. I love you, but we know better than that. And it's on me too. And we have to be willing to lean into the hard. We have to be willing to be poured out. We have to be willing to follow the standard step. And we recognize the struggle is real. Paul writes in Romans, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. I'm a mess. How many of you can say, amen, Paul? Me too. But he didn't stay there. He leaned into Jesus, and it's not just knowing about him. It's walking with him. We study the ways of God so we can follow the will of God. You will not get to Jesus by osmosis. You can't soak in what other people have experienced. That's what the Israelites want to do. We can look at the Israelites and say, shame on them. They were invited to the very presence of God, and they wouldn't go, but what about us? You don't, you don't know how hard it is to, for, to deal with my family. Well, maybe your family's more of an idol than God. Someday, I'm going when to, when I, when I retire, then I'm going to give God my all. I hope you make it to retirement. You're banking on something you might not have. I don't want to get to heaven on something I've banked on and find myself bankrupt. And you know, you don't have to, you don't have to run my race. You don't have to be where I'm at, but you have to be where you're at. 
and move forward. The struggle is real. And you know when the struggle is real, the first thing we do is lean out of the struggle. How about the first thing you lean, you have in your struggle, and the last person you go to is Jesus, and the second last person is the church. You know, I'm really struggling with God right now, so I'm not going to go to church. Well, where do you think, where do you think God's going to be? <laughs> I'm really struggling with my finances right now, so I'm not going to give my tithes. I'm really having a hard time. See, God's not going to get us. Some of us, we know where we're at. We need to get up, and some of us need to sit down. And the tension is understanding where we're at. Jesus, you know, that struggle is a biblical struggle. Over and over and over, Scripture reminds us this is what it looks like to follow God, self-control, love, grace, mercy, peace, uh, purity, And this is what it's like to follow the world. Sexual morality, anger, strife, contention, gossip. And he's telling that to the church because we live in the tension of two worlds. And we have to continually examine our heart. Our heart is not going to get us to the right place. We have to get our heart to the right place. Because your heart will lead your actions. You decide who's leading your heart. And some of us need to start hammering down into the disciplines that form us so that we can be in the place where we're transformed. I read God's Bible, Bible reads me, and I have a divine encounter with God. I wonder if there's a connection. In marriage, some of us say, well, I just fell out of love. Fall back in. Do the first works over. Remember how you chased after her when you were young? Chase after her now. Remember how you would do anything for her? Do something for her now. I told you, my husband and I in that struggle, our hearts started to turn towards each other, away from each other. And we got scared that we weren't scared. And some of us, you think, well, it, some, for some of you, you've been so far out, it's going to take a little while to get back. And, you're like, and we're lazy. If it doesn't happen right now, I, no, never mind. I'm going to try something else. Yep. God is not bound by time. He's not in a hurry. Some of our hearts are so hard, it's going to take a lot to form them. And we're going to need a lot of help. And we have people up close, and, and the minute my heart started getting hard, I reached to people up close, and I said, we're struggling, pray for us. You know what they, they didn't say to me? They didn't say, oh, that's too bad, run. They said, well, we'll pray for you in the struggle. Stay in it, it'll get better. How many of you are people in your life and all you can see is the nitpick? Oh, I hate it. I hate the way they sound when they chew. (laughs) And and I can't, are you really going to wear that? When did you start doing your hair like that? Why do you always got to, you know, my husband, uh, he married a reader. And then he got really frustrated with the fact that I was reading. And then, and then 38 years in, he comes in the house one day uh, into the bedroom and he goes, you really do read all the time, don't you? And I'm like... Where you been? 
And I'll tell you this, there was a part where I kind of hid reading, like, like I'm sinning. <laughs> and, and he would come in, and, you know, I'd be reading, he'd come in, and I'd... And so then, then he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and, and I'm like, Nothing. And then I had to tell him, you know, you seem to get irritated when I read, so I'm trying to not read in front of you. And then I realized, why are you denying who you are? Help him to, and so it's like, you know what, I like to read, but I'll make time for you too if there's a time you need me and stuff. And, and now, you know what my husband said to me the other day? I really need to start reading more. <laughs> him. Some of you, you shy, I talk about, you talk about God all the time, and you're like, well, I'll quit talking about God. You're giving them what they want and not what they need, and they're going to become what they, you're going to become what they are and not who you're supposed to be. And we live in the tension. Look, I really love the Lord. And so, you know, I began to say, look, I, I, you know what? The first work I did, if you knew our story, and I'll just tell you the story. I, I did not know the Lord. I was a drinker. I might have inhaled. <laughs> I had other loves. And I had an encounter with God that I couldn't explain because I had no frame of I had an encounter yesterday I can't explain. I have no frame of reference. And so it sat in this soul that didn't understand God, and I meet this really handsome guy with big muscles and blue eyes. And he's driving me in his car one day, and he says, someday me and my family will be in that church. Point of reference. And we're dating, and we're partying, and we decide to go to church. Not right then, the next day. And at 19, I walk down an aisle, and I give my heart to the Lord. And then, and then I surrender the ways of the world to God. I begin to see, here's the tension. It's not just what we do. It's our heart. We, we have to have both. But if you're in a place where you need to be more of a doer, become doing. And if you're in a place where you need to be more of a feeler, become feeling. I preached... I witnessed, I read, I went to every Bible study, and I still slept with my boyfriend. Well, guess how long that lasted? The things of the world pulled me away from the things of God. Boyfriend becomes husband, 23, and pregnant with a firstborn child. I'm like, you know what, this life isn't working for me. I need Jesus. You do what you want to do, and I'm going to go to church. And I went to church, and I surrendered my heart instead of just my actions. And in my 40s, I asked God, why didn't it stick at 19 and it stuck at 23? And he said to me, your husband was an idol. You followed him, not me. And you followed him in ways that you thought looked like me. 
And when I removed the idol of my husband, I became a better believer. Fast forward. I had to remove the idol of my ministry so I could become a better wife. Because the only one who can sit on my heart and rule justly is Jesus. And he's not religion and he's not works. But in him we understand religion and we do good works. Jesus says someday you and I, we will be judged by our works. And we won't be just be judged by what we did. And you can say, I serve all day long. If you serve all day long judging how other people don't serve, that's a work you'll be judged by. And if you say, well, I loved him all day long. I mean, Jesus, let me just tell you, Jesus said this, you'll go, the, the, the people who went to heaven say, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we serve in your name? And he says the words none of us want to hear, depart, I didn't know you. And what about the sitter who doesn't do anything? Jesus, didn't I love you with all my heart? Yes, but you didn't share me with all your love. We can't have what we can't choose one or the other. We've got to marry our heart, mind, and soul into the right places with God because there's a judgment day coming. And no, no matter what, it's something we, none of us can escape. But God loves us. And can I tell you, when I became a better believer, I became a better wife. And if I walk in being a better wife, I become a better believer. It's a role in my life. And I am in a season where I've had to lean into spiritual disciplines, and they're out there. And some of us, the world is undisciplined, and so we think the church should be undisciplined. And we cover it up with, well, we're just loving Jesus, and he accepts us the way we are. And we, went, and we say, well, I didn't really find the presence of God. You are the presence of God. And if your light is dim, I can't fan into flame. Paul didn't tell Timothy, get someone to fan your flame. He said, Timothy, fan your flame. Some of us need to be willing to Surrender. And I know this is a heavy thing, but you know what? It's when we come into that reverent place that we really see Jesus. And I know it's a heavy load and it feels like a scolding, but how many of you have children? How many of you know if we leave children undisciplined, they grow up to be wild? And if we discipline them too harshly, they grow up to be mean. And so some of us will say, some of us will say, well, I'm not going to discipline. Well, you're in danger. Discipline is study. It's agony. It's meditating. And then it's following. I cannot follow what I do not know. And I am without excuse because I know how to read. 
and I know how to study. And if I don't know how to read and I don't know how to study, I go to someone to read and study. And you know, most of us say, this is what we say. It's too hard. That's too hard. And then we go to someone and say, I know, don't do it. Ask yourself, do I get around people who don't challenge me to my best self? You know, if I get around, I'm very uh, intentional about who I pour into because uh, I, I want to pour into people who are going to pour into others. And there were people, there was a guy one time who came up to me and he goes, I really want you to coach me because I want to do better. And I said, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll coach you, but let me ask you first. I got a book I need you to read. Well, I don't read, then I can't coach you. And we go to people and we want what they have and they say, well, to get what I have, you've got to do this. And we're like, I can't do that. Then you can't have this. And we live in a world of entitlement that we think I get what I want even if I don't do what I'm supposed to. And how many of you have a goal in mind? I want to get here. Man, I'd like to lose 100 pounds. How about I buy a whole pizza? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll work. I really want to know God more. I want to know God like Pastor Mark knows God. Pastor Mark spends days in study of God's word. Well, I don't want to do that. Can't I just know him? No. I really wish I could pray like you. Start somewhere. We've got to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Paul says, if you think that's faith, that is not. It is dead. There is no life in it. And for some of us, there is no life in us. So this thing about the marathon, I had to pay what they wanted. I have to run the race they want. And so the only choice I get is I can train so that I can run well. You know, thinking is informative. Doing is transformative. And we need both. We need to know the right things and we need to do the right things. Scripture calls that something. You know what they call it? Wisdom. See, Paul says you got to be careful that you don't think you're wise in your own mind. And when you're wise in your own mind, it's that you know the right things, but you don't do the right things. Or you think you're doing the right things, but you don't know what you're doing. And we need to be wise in the minds of God. There's a quote by Theodore Roosevelt that says this. It's not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming but who knows the greatest enthusiasms, the greatest devotions, who spends himself for a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. 
so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never knew neither victory nor defeat. I want you to put your hand on your heart. God, close your eyes and turn towards your heart. Don't look at me, look at Jesus and you. Am I a cold and timid soul? And if you hear nothing, uh, keep asking. You don't have to ask today. You don't have to get the answer today. Just keep asking. Am I doing the disciplines of prayer, of study, of silence, of fasting, of worship? There are so many. Am I reading the map of my heart and directing it in the right place? We love what we do. And so if I want to love God, guess what? I've got to do God things. I can't say I really love the word and then spend hours watching Netflix. And I was spending hours watching Netflix. I can't say I love the word and then make excuses for my attitude. God says his children love. He says quarreling and complaining is a sin that will really keep you out of heaven. Well, you don't know how bad those people are. God's like, um, I do, and I know how bad you are too. You need to get around those people who speak love and joy. You want to be joyful, start hanging out with Tina. She'll let you. We, we, can, uh, we can, Paul told them, look at the things in me and the things you want, follow what I do. That's a mentor. We thank God, if you want me to be like someone, send them to me. No, you get up and go to them. And when they say, when you say, I want you to mentor me, and they say, well, then do this, if you, if, you don't, if you say no, then you don't really want to be mentored. And if they go to you and they say, and you say, oh, now you're mentoring me, let me do this. And they say, wait, and you say, uh, no, I'm going to go do something else somewhere else. If they let me, you haven't submitted to a process of transformation. And if you say, well, I love Jesus, but Jesus knows I have physical needs, then you don't love Jesus as much as you love your physical need. And if we say, well, God, you know I do it, but I hurt, and God goes, yeah, I know what hurt feels like. You know, he was beaten before the cross. He didn't say, you know, guys, I really took a beating back there. Could you carry this for me? There's something about follow-through he taught us right there. How many of us quit when it gets hard? And you know, you might not look like you quit, but you quit. Some of you started an inner healing journey, and you thought, you thought one and done was enough, and then you're surprised that things come back in. And when they come back in, you say, that didn't work. I guess what? I got news from you. You didn't work. It's not my job to carry you. It's my job to teach you so that you can carry yourself. I'll take blame for my blame. 
You take blame for your blame. And some of you say, well, you know, I, I just can't go to that church or do that because they don't do it my way. All right, go, go on. I hope that works for you out there. You, you can come in, but you come in and you join and then you become. You can't do that in marriage. You enter a marriage and say, I'm, I'll marry him, but then I'm going to change him. He's going to be everything I want. If he's not what you want, don't get married. And if you're thinking he's going to fix something of Jesus in you, woo, you're in trouble. We got to lean in to who God is in us. So I want you to close your eyes for a minute. Dusty. Okay. With your eyes closed, because we'll give some anonymity, how many of you, and I, I don't want you to do this little short, raise your hand and put it down real fast. I, I can't look around the room that fast. And, and if you're going to raise your hand, mean it. And how many of you could say, that was a little painful? Now, there's a part of you that says, I don't want to hurt, so I'm going to run. Angel shared with me, you know, Judas and Peter both denied Christ. One of them ran from him. One of them ran towards him. Paul said, I know that in my flesh there is no good thing. And this thing I don't want to do, I could run to just the things I am doing, or I could make the hard turn that really becomes the easy turn and run to Jesus. And I know uh, not all of you are ready for that, but you're ready for something, right? I mean, you might not have known it when you came to church, that God was forming you into being the church. And sometimes we come, you know, and I'm sure, Pastor Mark, that you have people, I'm going to come to church, but don't ask anything of me. That is going to be okay for a little while to get your grounding, but then, but then you've got to be willing to lean in. And some of you... Uh, you're asking me to do this. I'll give you this. But you're asking for this. And that's, God is asking for something from you. And you're offering him something else. It is an obedience adjacent. It is a lesser obedience, which is really disobedience. You're asking God for a wreath of leaves, and he's asking you to want a crown of gold. Some of us have making excuses for what we aren't. I just can't do that. My husband, and he wasn't even in the room when I was saying all those things. You have to listen to the tape to hear the confession. I always confess in public like a... 
maybe to teach you how to confess. You know, we had one of the things that was most powerful about the encounter was something that happened in us before it. And as a leadership team, I said, I'm going to confess to you. And then I want you to ask God what you need to confess. And I want you to confess to someone else. Confession brings healing. And we don't confess to everybody. I didn't, I didn't confess to you until I confessed to them. Because if I confess, I cannot hide. And then I can run naked and win the prize. But I don't run naked with people who tell me, I don't like you the way you are. I love you the way you are, but you could be better. I run with those people. And I don't run with people who, when I'm naked and shamed, they expose me to others. I run with people who say, okay, you messed up. We're going to cover you, so, but, but get better. And I don't run with people who pull me out of the struggle. I run with people who cheer me in the struggle. You know, I didn't start out running marathons. I started out walking miles. And trained. What I used to run as an accomplishment, I now run to train in. 13 miles used to be a prize. Now it's a Sunday afternoon training. See, some of us are settling for a goal we reached that glory's fading. It's time to go into the next places. And so as you sit there and you ask yourself if you're offering God something less than all of you, and this message, for those of you who raised your hand, listen, did you raise your hand and said it hurt? Raise your hand, hold it up. Keep it up. We, let's be a little bit naked in front of each other. Did it hurt? Did it challenge you? And how many of you are ready to do something about it? Then we have to ask God, what's, what's the heart? What do I need to do? Maybe I need to get back into the word. Maybe I need to quit saying, I wish, I wish I was thinner and start doing something about it. Maybe I need to quit saying, I wish I was healthier and start doing something about it. Maybe I need to quit saying, I wish I was happier and do something about it. Bitterness and sorrow doesn't flow from the outside, it flows from the inside. Changing your, changing your address isn't going to change your atmosphere, you carry it. You find yourself hopping from church to church to church and job to job to job and to relationship to relationship to relationship. Here's a thought. Maybe it's not a problem with them. Maybe it's a problem with you. And when are you going to stop running from God and run to God? Some of you, I even offered you the challenge of who you could be, and you made excuses. Oh, this is who I am. I know who you are, but this is who you can be. Well, you don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand. I don't have to understand. You don't even have to understand. I don't understand most of the stuff God does with me. I just obey. And there's something about the act the doing that makes us become. 
Yesterday after that retreat, we sat around and I said, guys, there's been a sacred moment. God is here. And there's, this is a sacred moment. Whether you feel him or not, God is here. And sometimes God comes in, loveys and huggies and bubbles, and we laugh and we shout and we joy. And sometimes come, God comes in like the parent that says, I love you, but this behavior is no longer acceptable. And for you to be your best self and go where I want to take you, something's got to go. How many of you want more of God? Well, what needs to go in you so that you make room for him? And we do it together. I got hit literally. Uh, what did you call it? And it, it, I got collided with. And I had to pull my team together. I'm like, what, what happened to you? And we were all carriers of a whole picture of God. And so we're still that. You've got to do something. You've got to let something out. And then you've got to let someone in. And you've got to be willing to let them say the hard things into you. I love you so much. I'm not going to let you make excuses. Some of us, we, you know, we have to do that. We... We live in a tension. I had to be willing. I had to quit making excuses for myself so that he could become all he needed to be. I think I started to say for the first time in, in, ever in our life, we're reading the Bible together and we're going through a marriage devotion. Hashtag stay married. We're 38 years in. You'd figure we had it figured out. And I'll tell you, this is hard. One day I was so mad at him and irritated and I get this I'm like let's just read that devotion because sometimes we do it even when we don't want to right we're sitting on opposite ends of the couch and we open that devotion and you know what that devotion said remember a time when you first met what you loved about them you know what I told them I got nothing I got no, I got I can't even see that if you, if you do this journey, we expect a one and done. In that journey, I said, I, I got nothing. I think I liked something, and part of it was afraid. And then we get to that crucible where we say to each other, I don't know if we're going to make it. And I'm like, I remember what I loved. That when you saw something hard, you stepped in and you did something about it. You know that empowered him to step in, and it empowered me to let him. And strangest thing, now I remember more about what I loved about him. And now my heart is really turned towards him, and his is turned towards me. And there's some, you know, you ain't got nothing on newlywed. Like we got, we got Oliwood. <laughs> I know everything about that man's body, and maybe some of you can't hear that, but now I want to learn about his soul.
and he knows everything about me and he's willing to learn about this mind. He used to say to himself, I can't keep up. You don't gotta run like me, just run with me. And doing the hard things hasn't made me weary, it's made me excited. And I know that there's this tension on earth when I do the hard things here, heaven invades. You are one right move from God moving. One right move. So we got, we sat together yesterday and I said, guys, God invited us to make room. What needs to go in us so that he has room? I don't know what one of those papers said except for mine. And we put them in this bowl and we lit them and it's up to the pastor whether we light them or not. But I want to invite you to the same place. Nobody's going to know what's on your list unless you tell them. And I, I thought, well, I'll just write down one thing. I start writing. God's like, oh, good. Got you here. Listen, I would like this to go too. Well, how much room do I want to give them? I can't say I want more of God if I'm unwilling to make space for him. I can't say I want to be more like Jesus unless I'm willing to become less like Shelley. You, you and I are wanting things, but we're not doing what it takes to get there. And you don't got to let go of everything, but you got to let go of something. You got to live in what you know. And right now, at this moment, you know something you didn't know. What are you going to do about it? We prayed with you at the beginning and we blessed you and, and I want to pray over you, but I want to give you an opportunity. And I know we went over and you know it is and I know this is a heavy thing and you're going to feel the joy of it later. You will if you lean in and do the right thing. Lord, help us to see where we need to make space. And as God begins to show you and he's showing you, how many of you already know he's showing you? Maybe you need to let go of excuses. You need to let go of lies. I want, you to, I want you to come up here, and maybe you have paper with you or pins, but there's paper and pins here, and, and I want you to write it down. And this is an altar, and I want you to leave at the altar what you need to give to the God and pick up more of Jesus. And so when you leave it at the altar, don't just walk out that door. You can walk back or you can stay here, but take a moment to worship. Now's your time. Do something. Don't let the enemy or your flesh tell you that's not enough or that's an excuse or no, you can't let go of that. You'll die. Yes, you will, but you need to. And those of you who like to consider yourselves saintly saints, show the way. Get up and do something. It's going to be messy. It's going to be hard. But I'm telling you, you're already messy and hard.
And don't want, and if people around you are shining bright and you want them to shine less, it's not a problem with them, it's a problem with you. And some of you need to go back to someone and say, I'm sorry I made you shine less because I was uncomfortable with what God was doing in you. Because he was doing something in me that I was uncomfortable with. You're not going to feel like it. You're not going to want it to. But, but listen, you can't say you want something to change if you don't move. And you can stay at the altar in prayer. You're offering a gift to God. You are offering a gift to God. And he will, you're making room, and he will answer with his presence. Don't be afraid. And even if you are, do it afraid. You may be surprised I do a lot of things afraid. If I let fear stop me, I wouldn't do anything. If I let pride stop me, I won't do anything. Now, for some of you, that thing you put in there might have been an idol. Idols have to be replaced. You can't destroy them. You can't cast them out. They, they, you, you remove them. And if you've removed that idol, then say, you make a covenant with God. You are the king of my heart. You are the Lord of my life. I'm making an exchange. My sin for your salvation my lack for your abundance, my fear for your grace. I want to tell you something. If you allow these shifts to happen in your soul, I don't know how far you are, but I want you to be patient with it. It is worth waiting for God's suddenly. It is worth waiting for God suddenly. I, I, want, you to, I want you to know something, and I, I can tell on my husband because his blue eyes aren't allowed to be up here. And this is one of those things God will take me back on the journey. It took him 40 years to show me about the idol. But if I live this life with, it's all right if he lets me do my own thing. I'm not going to challenge him to be stronger in the Lord. And so for all these years, I go into ministry. And his whole goal was for me to accomplish uh, finishing the school and so forth. And he, he didn't even go to the first five E5 retreats. He came and made sure the buildings were good. And he didn't go. And I didn't press him to and this guy who took a while to look at his wounds and always felt outside of God's love and never ever good enough and oh forgive me for what I promoted in that yesterday we are at the altar and I said listen you're here and you're ministering and some of it might be out of your comfort zone and he says all of it's out of my comfort zone but I'm doing it It was his sacrifice. 
And they went to have communion, and Mark asked him, share your struggle. And in that place of struggle, for the first time ever, the guy was birthed in church. He understood, he knew God, but now he saw God. And when he took that bread and when he took that blood, he felt, saw, and heard God say, it's because I love you. He knew God loved him, but now he knows God loves him. And we have to continually learn how to make space for each other to become more like Jesus. Don't be afraid to wait for the suddenly. Don't give up. It's not about starting. It's about finishing. There are going to be people who are going to hold you to an old version of yourself. We even hold ourselves to old versions of ourselves. Love them, but say, that's not who I am anymore. And I hope you can see who I am. Some of the hardest wrestles we are, you know, we had to say to each other, you're not the same person I married. And some of us could say, so I don't want to be married anymore. And when he tells me you're not the same, I'm like, you're right, I'm not. But hopefully I'm getting better. I hope you hear the heart. And as heavy as you are, spend time with the Lord contemplating. You become in the do. You learn God's word. You do God's word. You become God's word. And that is continually increasing. If you are thinking about it and you still want to put something here, put it here. These will be destroyed. I give you my word. Take a deep breath. You are deeply wanted. Deeply wanted. You're wanted here, but more than that, heaven wants you. Will you stand with me? And would you lift up your hands to receive a blessing? I want to pray over you. Now, you could say I'm not worthy of a blessing or whatever. The thing about blessings is... You're not paying for it. I'm giving it. Lord, these are your sons and daughters. And many of them for the first time, or maybe from a long time, are ready to go on the journey. And journeys are scary. Starts of journeys are scary. Middles are hard, and endings are wonderful. Don't let us get stuck at the start or stuck in the middle. Let us push on to the wonderful. And the wonderful is going to have glimpses of it here in glory, but the fulfillment, I mean here on earth, but the fulfillment is in glory. And I pray right now, Lord, show them your glory. Bless them with the beauty of you and their struggle. They know you, let them see you. 
and know that you live in them and you live through them and they are empowered to live for you. Breathe on them. Roll over them. Inspire them. Transform us into the likeness of your son. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And while you're standing for a few more moments, as she begins to sing, let that be your anthem. I will make room for you. And as we worship that love on others, you know, I feel like some of you may need to go to someone and say, listen, I'm sorry. I need you to hear my confession. Don't confess to everybody. Some people can't handle your words. And if you need to go, go with God. Be blessed. Become. But if you somehow have to mark this moment, mark this moment. And I thank you for letting me love on you in hard ways, in soft ways, encouraging ways. I love you. This church and you people have our heart, and we mean that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this message from Dubois Light and Life Church. We hope you're blessed by it. To hear more messages or get more information about Light and Life Church, please visit DuboisFMC.org or check us out on Facebook.